Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. When grieving, for so many of us, there is no value in hope and in surviving. I know, I've been there myself. Welcome to The Author Show. I'm Danielle Hampson. Bella Lynn Thompson, who has a PhD in psychology, had one goal when writing her book, Sudden Widow, a true story of love, grief, recovery, and how badly it can suck. That goal was to show that there is, in fact, value in hope and surviving, and she is here today to tell us about that. But before I turn to her, a quick reminder that selected interviews on The Author Show are available in our iPhone app, which can be downloaded in the App Store, as well as on TV on the Roku channel and Amazon Fire TV. Our app name on all these platforms is simply The Author's Show. Welcome to The Author Show, Bella. Hi, how are you? So nice to be here. Nice to have you on board as well, Bella. Now, the title, of course, says it all about what your book is about. Did you write it for emotional release to help other sudden widows or or both? I think I started writing it out for an outlet after my husband died. But as I wrote it and as I was in widow groups and, and met other widows, I realized that people felt very alone. They didn't have a book out there that really trailed their experience. Now, nobody's experience is the same. We know that everyone's right. grief journey is different, but they didn't have a book that really made them feel less alone and understood. And that's why I wrote the book. Well, I think that is a fabulous idea indeed, because everybody who, who experiences needs some help. Now, the intended audience is obvious, but to what additional audience can your book, in fact, be very helpful? I really think that I wrote it for widows and widowers, but I really also think they can just hand it to a loved one, someone in their lives, their child, their parent, their best friend, who can also better understand what they're going through. Again, not the same journey, but right. they get a sense of some of the things that people don't know about happen. And there are a lot of things people don't know about with grieving. Well, not only that, but a lot of people also feel a little bit awkward. They don't really know what to say to people who have just loved a loved one. That's for sure. And there's a simple answer to that. Let people talk about their loved one and be there for them. Yeah. Don't try to fix it. Really, all you have to do is be a friend. And that's all you have to do with almost anything, but with grieving as well. And people forget that grieving and grief and death is very uncomfortable in the population. What about sudden widows sets your book apart from others that cover the same topic? I think a couple of things set it apart. One is that I was a fairly young widow. So I was 46. My children were 9 and 11. And I go through my process, but I also talk about my children's journey and how heartbreaking it was not only to be a widow, but to watch my kids devastated, right? missing their dad. And I think that I don't read anything. You know, one of the reviewers said something like, nothing is left. In other words, I say everything. I don't read anything out. I say how ugly it gets and how horrible it can feel. And I think that that authenticity really matters because to pick up a widow book and to hear how to get through being a widow, or it's all going to be okay, this is your next plan, isn't necessarily how widows are feeling. Of course, we're going to get through it. Of course, we're going to survive. But 
there's something very validating in hearing that it does suck. It sucks to be a widow. It's not all great, (laughs) but it's okay. And I'm still very hopeful and grateful for the time I had with my husband. Yeah. And of course, when we look at a book that relates to grief, the first thing that comes to our mind is, oh my gosh, it's going to be hard to read and it's sad. But in fact, there is a lot of humor in your book. In fact, I had to laugh when I read this and I quote, He did not know then that I have no patience. I prefer to plow to the next step, no tiptoeing, end quote. Organically let it happen, really? So how did you meet your husband? I met my husband in a park. I was running. I was always training for something. So I was running and he was riding his bike and he was always riding his bike for the whole time I knew him. And he was gorgeous. We both flirted with different people. But at one point he was standing on the side of the track And I got the courage. I'm pretty assertive. I walked right up to him. I introduced myself like I was going on a business meeting. I said, hi. And I said my full name. And I said where I work. And he was kind of taken aback. He looked at me like, who is this person? Like, And after a minute or two, he answered all my questions. And I was like, maybe this isn't a good idea. I just kind of said, okay, I'll see you around. And I ran away from him. Knowing he was so cute, I tried to run away and like make my butt look good as I was <laughs> Um I don't even know how to do that. But I was concentrated on like, maybe I should try to tighten it. And I ran and just two or three minutes later, he came up next to me on his bicycle and we talked really from that night forward almost every night. You know, I have to read that you you talking about tightening your butt because I have to admit that I've done that myself. I think we women, we tend to want to do that when somebody is looking at us from behind. I think it's funny. <laughs> so, well, you write about the beginning of sucking, basically on the fallout of what happens after a certain death to your children and you. At one point, you say, quote, death changes everything, end quote. What are you trying to convey in that chapter? I think people know that my life changed because my husband died, but I don't think that they know that my kids now only have one parent. I don't think they know that I have to do everything. That hasn't changed. It's been almost six years. And I don't think they know that grief lasts forever. It changes. We get better at holding our grief. We get better at managing Mm -hmm. our grief. But for instance, of how things can change, relationships change. Some of my best friends couldn't handle the pain I was in and my kids were in. They couldn't see it anymore. They really had to leave. Relationships changed where I'm not invited on couples night anymore, where I always was. Yeah. So all these things happened and it changed so much of my life. And one quick other example, my, my son's going away to college and we're looking at colleges. My husband's not here. People talk to me like, that doesn't matter. But for me and my son, it's a big deal. It still affects us. We still wish you was here. Yeah, of course. Some of your chapter titles express feelings about surviving the death of a spouse. For example, wanting to smash things. And yes, I did that too. Now, was this intentional? And what do you discuss in these chapters? It was absolutely intentional. I think that people don't understand grief. People go from anger. There aren't five stages. Or even if there are five stages, we go through them not easily and nicely through one pathway. I was angry. Then I cared about nothing. I could care less. And then I was devastated and wanted to fall on the floor and cry. And then I was angry again. And I think that that better represents what grief is like. 
It's, you know, and one of my chapters is labeled thinking. So I did want to smash things. Then I didn't care about anything. Then I felt like I was sinking below the ocean at times, so heavy under the weight of grief and having to deal with my whole life on top of grieving. So I think those are just, I, I wanted to really make it clear that these are stages that people go through and that you feel. You certainly do. And you, you do not understand that unless you actually have walked into shoes, which is typically of life in general anyway. And well, talking about people understanding and being in those shoes, we in the middle of a, still a pandemic. And during this pandemic, people, of course, have been so far devastated because they were unable to be there for the passing of their loved ones. Now, when driving back home, when your husband died, you were unable to be there for his last breath. How did you manage that feeling? And how did your son react? I was devastated. I didn't get to the hospital on time for my husband. I'm better. But the first year, it was something that came, that intruded in my mind. Yeah. Why couldn't I make it? What happened? Why couldn't I get there for his last breath? Why couldn't I hold his hand during his last dying breath? It, it really got to me. And when we were driving home from the hospital, my son, as I was lamenting, saying, why couldn't I make it? Why didn't we get there? He looked at me and he said, mom. Dad knows you would have died for him in a second. And that gave me so much comfort because if my 11-year-old yeah. was so clearly confident that he, know, he knew I would die for him in a second, my, my husband in a second, yeah. then my husband had to know that. My husband had to know, even if I wasn't there, that I wanted to be and that I was trying to. You know, I experienced the same thing. I too was not able to be there when my husband's, you know, had his last breath. And, and I kicked myself all the way to, to the moon for a long, long, long time. And sometimes I still do. But on the other hand, the person who was there, because this happened in the middle of the night, also made one comment that also makes sense to me in a way, but it took me a while to accept that comment was that, you know, sometimes it is actually better for the, in the case of a husband or, or a wife, for the spouse not to be present on the last breath, because sometimes the last breath can be really, really a struggle. So it's not always good to be there after all. What do you think about that? I think they're right. I think when I saw my husband in the hospital, he didn't look like himself after about, they let me stay with his body for a long time and then let me come back and see it. And I think that missing that is also something that I don't have to remember for the rest of my right. life and be haunted by it like right. I am other things. You know, I'm a neuropsychologist and the way memories work with emotions is they become plastered onto our memory bed and we don't forget them so easily. So yeah. a lot of people replay those last moments and that's tough. So yeah. in a way, it is a blessing. Yeah, I, I agree. So what do you see as some of the common misperceptions of grief? I think the biggest common misperception is that people think you should be over it already. People think that they're sick of hearing about it. They're sick or they just don't want to hear about it anymore. They think you should be over it or better. And I think that's one. The other one is that people get stuck in grief and people don't realize that they're even stuck in grief. Mm -hmm. And I think those two things are huge misperceptions. You included a very funny chapter on dating. Would you share with us one example of your dating scene? <laughs> 
I have a million dating stories because I really tried to date. My kids actually wanted me to find a replacement dad because they were so young they thought I could just get one. But my favorite dating story after my husband died was I was about three weeks out of neck surgery and in a still wearing a neck collar, I went out with this gentleman who had been chasing me in town for months. We went out for appetizers, drinks. It was very nice. And then he asked if I wanted coffee back at his place. And I haven't dated in 23, 24 years at this point. I said, sure, I love coffee. We get to his place, we have a cup of coffee, and he starts trying to make out with me. And then we're making out, and he's starting to put his hands in places I'm just not comfortable. And I called him the octopus and referred to him (laughs) as an octopus for some time because I actually started laughing out loud, defending my position, kind of pushing him away from places I didn't want him to touch. And he finally, like, he stopped, and he finally, as I was laughing, said, we're all adults here. And I said, that's great. We're all adults. I'm not like going to have sex with you on the couch right now. <laughs> and that's really how the date went. And, you know, we laughed and we talked after that. And I laughed. He wasn't for me, but it was hysterical, the whole thing. And I was still in a neck collar during this, which made the whole thing. Yeah. And I like your terminology using, you know, the octopus, because I think that most women in their lives have had an example of an octopus. And we've called it an octopus many, many times in our dating scene, whether we are widows or, or not. So at this point, Bella, will you please share with us an excerpt from your book? Yes, I would like to share the beginning of the first chapter. So it's called Life Before. People speak about adversity as if it's a good thing. I'm not sure that's the case. Many people think the worst part of becoming a sudden widow is losing someone you love. But it isn't only that. Dealing with the ramifications that branch out in every direction, recognizing that life as you knew it is over, sucks. Paul was by far the light of my life. Gorgeous, funny, sweet, helpful, and as reliable as a son, rising and setting. He was an even better father than spouse and easily impressed others with his kids' skills, not only with our children, but entertaining most he knew or even spent time with. Dogs and cats liked him. Don't get me wrong, my husband could be a stubborn and royal pain in the ass. (laughs) He wasn't easy to live with. But given all of him, I was happier to put up with his shortcomings than live without him. We were together for 21 years, and 99.9% of the time, I would do it all over again, even knowing the outcome. I didn't love my husband because he was perfect. He wasn't. But I wouldn't trade a minute, an hour, a day, or a year we spent together for anything. Even if I fleetingly thought about divorcing him every three to six months, and I would frequently tell him I was so angry I wanted to kill him. In truth, I never could. Kind of skipping ahead, part of what I say in the first chapter is that he wasn't only the most handsome in my family, he was also the favorite uncle, son-in-law, and brother-in-law. My family would tease me and say, if there's a divorce, we're keeping him. (laughs) I joke about, it's true, I joke about that I was fine with it, Um, and he really didn't have a nuclear family. Yeah. He didn't have that family of his own to fall back on. So I used to tell him, even if we were to divorce my family, and I would always be there for him. He sounds like an absolutely wonderful husband indeed. And you must recount all the blessings that you've had with the life that you had with him. Such great memories for you. So I'm so happy for you. Back to your book, though. How have readers so far responded to it? I have been so lucky 
I have received so many emails of exactly what I wanted, of people telling me, widows writing to me, saying that they felt less alone, more validated, understood, and let, you know, just less alone and understood are so important in this life. So I really, they make me cry the emails. I've been so lucky. A lot of great books and a lot of surprises. Some younger people read the book and really associated with it much better than I thought they would. Well, that's great. So where can then readers find out more about you? And uh, more importantly, of course, where can they find out about uh, your book, Sudden Widow? Please come to my website, suddenwidow.com, one word. There are links to buy the book. There's a little bio about me. There are actually links to help people if they're grieving. So a bunch of websites to look at as well. So please go to my website. Okay, wonderful. Bella, what else would you like readers to know about you or your book that we did not cover? I think the most important thing about my book is that it's authentic and that it's, I think that it's also a love story that throughout the book, whether I like it or not, and I'm smiling from ear to ear, you're absolutely right that my husband was a gift and I Mm -hmm. don't forget it. I'm grateful every day for the 21 years I had with him and he's a gift that doesn't stop giving. So part of weave through the whole book is a love story of how much I loved him and of how lucky I feel to this day that I had that time with him and how grateful I am for it. Well, Bella, it was an absolute pleasure having you with me today. And I want to thank you for spending that time with all of us here to share the lessons that you have learned as a widow, because I know that it's going to be very helpful for other people. So thank you very much for sharing your story in Sudden Widow. Thank you so much. Here is just one excerpt of Reader's Reaction to Bella's book. Quote, Sudden Widow was beautifully written. It was honest, raw, and humorous when it needed to be. It will definitely help others who find themselves a widow or widower, whether it be sudden or not. Miss Thompson did not sugarcoat how badly it can suck, and I'm sure readers will appreciate that and find a common bond in the emotions that they share as they navigate through the never-ending grieving process, end quote. Sudden Widow, a true story of love, grief, recovery, and how badly it can suck, is the title of the book by author Bella Lynn Thompson. Even when you are surrounded by people who care, grieving is an emotion that often makes us feel very alone. We feel those around us do not understand, mainly because they may not be walking in our shoes. Listening to and reading about experiences from those who have walked in those shoes can indeed alleviate some of that loneliness. So if you have lost someone recently or know of someone who has, give yourself or bring to someone the gift of this book. And when you're done reading, please leave a review as those are always very much appreciated by the author. And also please share this interview with your friends so that they too have the opportunity to discover our guests and her work. And remember also that The Author Show may be accessed at any time at theauthorsshow.com and selected interviews can also be found on major platforms like Amazon Music, Amazon Fire TV, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and many, many more. And whether you are an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search for new books to read, theauthorshow.com is a great place to start. I'm Danielle Hampson. Thank you for listening. Until next time with another author and another wonderful book. 
Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. theauthorsshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.